0: I had a I have an album that debuted number one on iTunes, but I haven't been on like TV yet. So
1: That's awesome though. An album that debuted yeah, number one. Yeah, It was wow.
0: dope. It was dope. Um, so I was able to, but they let me headline because they're like, hey, this guy's been putting in the work, he's headlining other stuff around town and he's headlining the road. So when that happened, I was able to call upon my like the base I've created, either in Chicago, but just also across, and be like, can we let's let's sell the show out. Yeah. And we sold the show out two weeks before the show. Wow. Which is like for stand-up, like normally people buy it, like close in so it felt re- very good to be like okay looking back in the seven-year career and the people i've built like the social media following and all these things these are like people who are engaged fans like yeah it's not like yeah maybe you don't have a hundred thousand followers on instagram but oh yeah, i have like God. almost four and they're loyal loyal, like loyal yeah four they're gonna show up to every and show and support you yeah, yeah that's amazing like it, it made me feel like very validated because i'm like sometimes in comedy you're so in it day to day show over show you have to zoom out and be like oh you know, I have people who've been with me on this journey as well. And you gotta remember that because it is a very like it's all about ourselves and like pushing forward. But think about the support system you have, think about the right. people in your life, and if you can leverage that and think about that while you're on this journey, like you're gonna have such a better
1: What up everybody, welcome to Adversity Kings, another episode of Adversity Kings. Next to me, I got my man Vic. Pondia. Pondia. Right. Yeah. Okay. Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. So, um, just to jump right into it, start a little bit about kind of your past, give people an, an overview of, you know, kind of how you grew up, um, where you started, where you're from, what led you to where you're at today. So if you want to kind of jump into that a little bit and then we can elaborate from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for having me on, man. Um, so I, uh, I'm a stand up comedian based in Chicago. Um, I grew up outside the city in the suburbs, Went to school at DePaul um, in the city and started doing stand up about a year after college. So I've been doing stand up for about seven years now. Um, like I said, based in Chicago, but I tour nationally. Uh, I trained as an improviser at Second City, and then that kind of like led me into hitting stand up quite a bit. So I have like an improv background, but really heavy into stand up. And uh, I'm touring. I put out a couple albums. I run my own shows. Uh, at this point now, I'm, I'm a. I've become a headliner in the last year or so. So I'm I'm now the the bill. So like it's cool to, to be like the people coming to see me, which yeah. is a different feeling in the last year. So now I'm trying to move tickets. <laughs> that's, that's the whole game now. Let's go. So you're leveling up, obviously. What um just to start from the beginning,
1: what what really like got you into into stand up? You know what I mean. I, that's what I wonder is like what what brings people to say. You know, I'm gonna go all in on this because obviously you're all in. That's 100. You know, you live, eat, breathe it. Mm-hmm. What what got you you know into stand up originally?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I grew up watching like Mad TV, SNL, um, The Daily Show, just these comedy centered shows, and that would what resonate with me the most. What I was most interested in was it movies. Whatever that genre just always appealed to me. Uh, but I never knew you could do stand up as like a job. Like I didn't think I was like, oh, I, I, cause you would see like George Carlin and you're like, oh, yeah. I, that's like a, a different level. You're seeing stand up at the highest level. And then you realize as you get older and you, you go to second city, you're like, oh, there's, there's classes about comedy. There's classes around improv and it starts to kind of demystify that whole, um, that whole, like what it looks like on the inside. So that's what led me to my first open mic. And then I was like, oh, this is now I'm seeing the lowest level. Like you're seeing carlin all these big people like chris rock and then you go to an open mic you're like oh I, I could do this yeah <laughs> you know? and then you go on stage and you're like oh this is way harder than i thought and what then it looks And then you kind of eat shit for a year and yeah. uh, and kind of find your voice and uh you know it's it's still constantly like we were talking about before the podcast constantly a humbling experience because you, you never really uh you know you think kind of think you know where you are in in your comedy mindset your ethos but that also evolves as you change as a person. So, you know, it, but the one thing I know is like when you do it and it's like, it connects, you're like, Oh, I'm meant to be doing this. There's something about this that I should go all in. Cause it's like, it feels the mo- best. I'm connecting with people. People are telling me like, you're going to, you, I've had people come to me like, you're going to be somebody someday. Yeah. Like that shit helps, you know, it means yeah. a lot. So, um, it all started though, like just off these, just interest in comedy at a young age.
1: Yes, sir. Do you have a, do you have an idol at all? Like a, like a, like a mentor idol that you kind of like look up to that you trying to, you know, you kind of try to copy their, their level.
0: Yeah. I mean, my, my favorite comedian of all time, uh, he actually passed away, but, uh, Patrice O'Neill and okay. he was, he was like a regular on the Opie and Anthony show. Uh, this, this big, just hilarious black dude who was like, <laughs> did said whatever the fuck he wanted, was <laughs> extremely honest at all times to the point at a detriment of his career because yeah. he would just burn bridges. he just tell people how he really felt. He wouldn't do anything that he felt was corny. No or, filter. Yeah, inauthentic. And um, people literally have been reposting his clips in the last couple of years with all these, like, you know, social movements and, like, COVID and stuff. And they're like, oh, what would Patrice say about this? Because, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, like, Carlin bits get circulated on Twitter yeah. all the time whenever an issue comes up because, like, these profound people have been – kind of we want to hear what they think because they kind of break it down and, and expose the hypocrisy and all these things so yeah he was just a, one of these guys naturally funny all the time and and we call it like in the business being on you know right and someone like that who's on just all the time but being themselves yeah like, that's what you strive for as a comedian to be yourself and not have to like change and, and, and put what, put out what you find funny and then your audience comes to you so uh he was like biggest inspiration of all time kind of what i strive to do um, definitely, you know, some of the things that he did were, I wouldn't do, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like some mistakes. So you can learn from both, right? The, the things he did right and the things he did wrong. So right. I think though, overall, if I had to pick one person, it would be him.
1: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. I think that's where your power comes from. You know what I mean? It's just being yourself, not worrying about what other people think. And that's like, obviously comedy takes a lot of confidence, to be like and and it's rare like to find a, a man with confidence nowadays is kind of rare you know what i mean so everybody's offended by everything you know yep. so in in the world of comedy it's it's awesome to kind of be able to get on there and be yourself and that's what really gives you the power that's what really makes you funny and and i feel like naturally with the way the universe works if you're interested in appealing in comedy growing up in general you're probably a funny person already right you know what i mean yeah so, i
0: think you have to have some i mean people talk about all the time like can you learn funny there's this big debate like you know people you know teach improv because there's like patterns and there's skills and discomfort comfort on stage but for stand-up there's like a people are very conflicted on if you should teach stand-up because some yeah. people are like no you have to go figure it out yourself you got to get on stage figure out what works there's no like yes you can teach someone how to write a joke but how they deliver the joke how they present it you know the, the physicality like that's all on you that's all personal and what works for you may not work for me so why should you be teaching this? And so there's different schools of thoughts around it. I mean, I I definitely think there is some inert ability. There's some natural ability you have, but like anything, it can be honed. It could be, you know, yes, it sir. can be refined. So why not do everything you can to make it better? So yeah. for me, that means, you know, yeah, I took the improv classes to get more comfortable on stage, but I also took acting classes, you know, because I'd done some acting. Like, But I think all that helps my stand-up Cause like I've, I've just t- taken a e- little bits from everything. And then also from other comedians, you learn stuff other, like, you know, just doing it long enough. So I don't think there's like a one size fits all thing, but I think overall, you just gotta have to find what works for you. And just like consistently, it's all about consistency, you know, just hit it. Like I, I do stand up probably much every day. And if not, if I'm not on stage, I'm doing, comedy related things every day
1: yeah so you're committed you're 100 percent committed and that's that's the biggest thing like for us in sales you know it's a numbers game like we can go out and know how many calls you make and and if you read this script that you know you're going to get xyz results but that's the thing with comedy there's no you know from what i see there's no foundational like this 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 step by step so it's really failure to success like you're failing until you get to, to success you know and And what about for you? So at what point in your career did, did, uh, you know, your career start to to take off? Because obviously you said you're you're leveling up. Now people are paying, they're coming to see you. Now it's just growing your audience from this point on and, you know, eventually going to the Madison Square Garden and and beyond that. So what, where did, in your career, did did it start to turn for you that it started to to level up?
0: Honestly, um, I got lucky just early on because I think I think people can tell if you're like serious about it. You know, now being in this game seven years, looking at newer comedians coming up and uh, seeing, you know, you can tell kind of quickly if someone either has it or, you know, what we call like in the business it or just if they have a good work ethic, you know. And I think for me, I was I treated it like a job day one. You know, a lot of people like in the stand up were like I came from a nine to five corporate background. So I had that kind of discipline already. So when I hit stand up, I treated it like a job. Like I was like, I'm going to hit you know, two to three open mics a week. I'm going to write material every day. I'm going to practice and re- refine it. And so when I went to a mic, I came in with like intention, you know, I, I came yes, in sir. With, uh, and with stuff to do. And I think people around the scene kind of noticed that because they're like, Oh, he's, he's coming here to work. Like, even though he's not good yet and he's, he's not committed. funny, he's yeah. committed and he shows up every week, he'll bomb every week, but he'll get a little better every <laughs> time. And he's doing, he's trying new stuff. He's fighting his voice and he's not scared to like do this. Cause it's, like I said, it's incredibly hard the first year, even two years, just like, you know, there's so many bad shows. The amount of good shows and good mics you do, it's like the the number kind of slides, the scale changes as you go more and more in your career. But I still have bad shows. You still have weird sets, you know, all the time. But when you're new, it's like, that's almost exclusively what you have because you're yeah. not, There no one's booking you on the, on the laugh factor or the zany stage, you know, because they don't know who you are. So I think... I think that was one thing I, I started learning is like a year in, I started just taking it really seriously. I started running my own shows. And then people that kind of put me on the map. So even like a year in people are like, Oh, like this guy, we don't know who he not everyone knows who I am. But they're like, we heard about this killer show this guy's running. So me and a couple of friends, we took all the skills we develop in the business corporate world, started producing shows after going to stand up shows for six months and seeing where the gaps were and being like, Oh, we can do this a little bit better. And even though we're not the funniest people, we have this production mindset. So it kind of put us on the map early on, at least in Chicago, because people are like, what's this show? And at this point, we're just trying to get known within the comedy scene. So for other comedians to know who we were, that also helps your career because then you start getting opportunities. You start getting booked on stuff. So it all was kind of like serving. For us, we just did it to get stage time because no one was booking us because no one knew who we were. So it was all this weird thing. It's like, like, uh, you know, with a job, your first job. They're like, what do you need to get your first job? You need experience. But you're like, but yeah, I don't have experience. Exactly. I don't have a first job. It's like this conundrum, right? It's the same thing with stand-up. They're like, well, to get on our show, you have to have a proven track record of doing these other shows or at least have a funny clip. And you're like, well, I don't have a funny clip because I haven't been booked on any shows. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like this o- It's ongoing thing. So we had to create our own space. And then I got lucky because like, I think it was like nine months into stand-up. I'd been going to this open mic pretty regularly in the city. It was like a small one. And I was one of the like, loyal once-a-week people And one of the people who was at the mic was a uh, he was an agent, a college agent, and he knew Roy Wood Jr., who was on The Daily Show at the time. And Roy Wood Jr. was preparing to tape his first Comedy Central hour. So he goes he calls me up one day and he goes, hey, um, I have an opportunity for you. Uh, We're basically running a secret show, pop up show at our venue. Uh, for this big name, I can't tell you who it is, but he's he's big. If do you want to open for seven eight minutes? Wow! And he's like, we like your energy. You know, you're confident, and I I think you'd be a good fit for this. And he's like, we're gonna have it professionally recorded, and this was before like this is you know six years ago. So yeah. obviously people were videotaping stuff, but it wasn't to the level it is now. So like people weren't just like tripods at shows and right. no it's, it wasn't that world yet. So getting a good clip was like kind of everything. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then the day off, he tells me it's Roywood Wood Jr. Wow. And I'm like a huge fan of the Daily Show. Like I said, I grew up on this stuff, watching Jon Stewart and things like that. And I was like, oh, this is huge. So I go in and, you know, I'm wearing a suit, like come in, come in, <laughs> correct, you know, just come in like, kill this set, like hottest set of my life. Cause it's, it's a packed room. They're all comedy fans. They, they set it up so well. So I have this incredible seven minute set, get it professionally recorded, like HD and audio. So then I take that clip and then I obviously submit to a bunch of shows around town and I get in. Cause now I'm like, I've opened for Robin jr. which is right. a huge credit a year wow. into stand up. Um, and then I also got into all these comedy festivals. So comedy festivals are these like, you know, cities will put up, these festivals and some of them are more prestigious than others but basically it's just a way to network and tour and, and do this like especially early on in your career it's important so I, I wasn't getting these like i was getting these five eight minute sets in the city but then at the comedy festival they give you 10 12 minutes maybe okay. 15 minutes because they're like oh you're from chicago over road Junior, you must be somebody yeah 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 and so and in chicago we have a huge comedy scene so there's like way more comedians and so even if you're like a headliner you know if i headline a local show i may be doing fifteen to 20 minutes if you headline on the road you're doing like 45 30 45 minutes so it's a different kind of scale just because the number of good comedians here so I was put in these situations around the country where now I'm doing 10, 12 minutes. I've only have eight minutes. I, I did the eight minutes that you <laughs> saw, so now I'm forced to level up again because I'm like I have to write new material. I have to right. I have to keep refining my skills and kind of like rise to the occasion. And so for I did like I've done now 17 comedy festivals I wow. think, which is a lot, you know. And, and I did most of those within year one to three of okay. my career so it's almost like that was kind of the inverse of what people would typically think but that helped me so much because i got my name out there kind of early on so i really like after that first year i feel like i've been kind of steadily just doing like shows like it's only built from there but after that first year i really felt like i was like okay i'm somebody but now it's like being a headline in the last year it's like okay now i've i can feel like I've, i've arrived at least in chicago and and it's cool to meet people, like, I get recognized once in a while on the street, like, oh, I follow you on Instagram, I've seen, yeah. your, I've seen a reel of yours, or I saw you at the Laugh Factory, like, it's starting to feel like something now, you know? Yeah, I'm like, really you're getting excited. known. Yeah.
1: Well, that's it's crazy you mentioned that, because based on what I'm, what I'm hearing from you, like, you haven't even brought up the, the money at all, you know? So, what it sounds like to me is, like, you were focused on the long-term vision. You knew kind of where you wanted to be yeah. long-term, mm-hmm. and you were just... Like you said, in the process, just submerged in the process, trying to get your name out there because you knew what it really took. You know what I mean? Um, For me, though, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, when were you making money in those nine months to a year or how how was that working?
0: Absolutely not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So stand up is if you're trying to make money, stand up is not the career choice for you. (laughs) So like I said, I came from this corporate background. I had a good job and I maintained a good corporate job up until about a year ago. So even through all this p- career progression, you still worked at, uh, still okay. was working full time. Wow! I mean, I, uh, pandemic kind of changed things a little yeah. bit. I, I went part time and kind of virtual, which is much better. You know, yeah, it helped and helped a lot, especially with the travel. But you know, for f- five years or so, I was doing a full time in the office gig wow. while doing stand up pretty much every day. I mean, it was uh, now looking back, and I'm like, I don't know how I physically how you did it. that. Yeah, yeah. I also like had a had a relationship had a I was working out pretty much every day like Let's I had a, a, a schedule you know I was really disciplined r- yeah discipline yeah it's all about that discipline but I was able to kind of do things that like these festivals like I described you know if you're a year into stand up and you're not making any money you're making like 20 dollars a show 30 like really yeah. bad enough it's not to enough eat. to yeah it's not enough to sustain that but I could say yes to this festival in you know Iowa that's a good festival, but you have to travel there, but because I had the job money, so smart, I was able to kind of leverage and I knew at that point I'm like, this is an investment in my career, yeah so I'm taking the money from this other thing, putting it into here because I know in three years this will pay off and and that's exactly what happened like now I'm making money off standup it's it's gotten better. it's still not incredible because there's still like you know I'm a headliner, people think you're like oh, and every comedian under me is like, I wish I was that. I'm like, you still can't you have to do all these other things. You got to do corporate shows. You got to do private shows, which pay a lot more like club shows. Don't pay what, you know, the disparity is crazy. So I'm also doing a lot of that other stuff, which also has increased over time, but it took like a lot of that initial investment, just faith of like, "Uh, this is going to lead somewhere. And like I said, I just had the security and that's why I never quit the job. Even though I was like, I I don't want to do this not my passion, but if I can find a way to make this work, and a lot of people who do stand up work like part time hourly jobs, which actually is kind of tougher sometimes because you're like, if you're a server, you're yeah. serving at night at a restaurant, you can't go out and do shows or serve right. mics at night because you're like, it conflicts. With a nine to five job, I'm home by like 5, 536. I have like a couple hours to kind of get ready, prepare. Then I'm out at night from right. like eight to midnight. But it's like, it's a grind, but it's like, at least there's that separation. And so I realized that kind of early on. I'm like, I can maintain the separation still progress, still kind of lead some semblance of a life, even though it's insane. I was able to kind of manage all that at the same wow. time. Yeah, yeah. That's,
1: the, that's the discipline of a, of a routine and schedule. Yeah. That's what, you know, I try to talk. most people don't, you know, plan to fail. They fail to plan, right? Yep. So what about for you, though? Um, obviously not making money for a year besides, you know, you had your corporate job. Now, are you officially done with your corporate job? You said about a yeah. year ago?
0: Yeah, about a year ago. And I was, I was kind of like doing some part-time work, uh, consulting and doing some other stuff, which actually was good money. But in the last few weeks, that's kind of wrapped up. So now I'm really just focused on, like I said, I've I've just been touring a lot, just hitting stand-up. Also, kind of like, I might be teaching stand-up at Second City. That's like a thing that might happen pretty soon here. So doing some more, like, I would say short-term kind of project stuff. Because I'd rather now, the idea of being tied down permanently now is not appealing to me. Right, Like, stand-up is it. So these are all, I would consider, side kind of endeavors. but it's nice to be able to position to be like, okay, I'll teach this class for six months or six weeks rather. And then if I don't like it, I don't want to continue that. I don't need to, but at exactly. least I can say I did it, you know? And I do think it, part of this is like, I think it's important to give back. Like yeah. 90% of the opportunities I've gotten in stand up are because people are like, they've taken me on the road with them or they've referred give me you or something. Chance, yeah. yeah. Giving you a chance. And there's no like, there's no job board for stand up. There's no indeed.com. <laughs> like it's all referral based, you know? Right. So it's like, it's all referral based all submission-based. So, I mean, you have to kind of put, make a name for yourself, but also maintain these relationships. So, it's there's so much behind-the-scenes work that I'm doing. Like, like today, I'm not going to be on stage today, but I'm sending out booking emails. I, I'm promoting doing myself. Doing the dirty on social work. Media. I was going to ask you that. Like, all that shit, yeah. all the admin stuff, and and a lot of people have one or the other. They don't. They, they're great on stage, but then they don't market themselves, and then they're like, you see them live, you're like, you should be. How are you not more booked? And you're like, right. oh i suck at social media or like i i can't i don't submit to things it's like well you got to put yourself out there too so no one there's so many comedians everyone thinks like oh, i'm funny enough they'll find me yes but you also have to ask yeah it doesn't hurt to ask you know and that's with like life in general i mean yeah, if true. you don't put yourself out there and ask and push like no one's gonna give you shit. no one's gonna give you any, yeah. you gotta take it you gotta, you gotta, take gotta go it. get it yep
1: yep, yep exactly wow if you uh, if you can touch on like what what like obviously you had a vision you know and and uh, obviously you're in that process you're you're gaining some momentum what do you uh, what do you dream about like what your end goal you know what what do you dream about is at the end for you
0: yeah I mean it's that's also kind of evolved a little bit because now the industry is changing in stand up like when I started the whole goal was to get like a late night spot like get on Conan get on Seth Myers, get on Jimmy Kimmel and if you get that late night spot you do like your five minute set on there then you suddenly your career is now in this next phase and you're headlining clubs every weekend but that actually was on the decline even then and now it's almost like that doesn't even matter yeah so now you create your own name you you either put out a youtube special you rise through instagram clips or social tiktok media. clips social media so which is empowering for the comedians because we are getting discovered on our own content and people are now coming to us for be like oh we'd love to put you in the show we'd love to put you in this web series whatever it is but you have to then create that audience and cultivate it yourself. But if you do that and you put the groundwork in, you have loyal fans who will yeah. come to stuff. I mean, when I headlined Zany's um, last year, it was a comedy club in Chicago. Uh, it's like one of the oldest clubs in the country. It's 45 years old. It's wow. like top three oldest in the country. It's like this really prestigious club. And I worked there a ton, but I hadn't headlined it yet. Which is like normally to headline a club, you have to have like a TV credit, or yeah. you have to have something. I had a, I have an album that debuted number one on iTunes, but I haven't been on like TV yet. So that's awesome though, an
1: album that debuted yeah, number one. Yeah, it was wow.
0: dope. It was dope. Um, so I was able to, but they let me headline because they're like, hey, this guy's been putting in the work. He's headlining other stuff around town, and he's headlining the road. So when that happened, I was able to call upon my like the base I've created. Even in Chicago, but just also across, and be like, Can we, let's let's sell the show out. Yeah, and we sold the show out two weeks before the show. Wow, which is like for up like normally people buy it like close in, so it felt very good to be like, okay, looking back in the seven year career and the people I've built, like the social media following and all these things, these are like people who are engaged fans. Like, yeah, it's not like, yeah, maybe you don't have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but yeah, I have like almost four and they're loyal, loyal 4 like they're, yep. they're going to show up to every and show and support you. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Like it made me feel like very validated because I'm like, sometimes in comedy, you're so in it day to day, show over show. You have to zoom out and be like, Oh, you know, I have people who've been with me on this journey as well. And you got to remember that because it is a very, like, it's all about ourselves and like pushing forward. But Think about the support system you have, think about the right. people in your life and if you can leverage that and think about that while you're on this journey, like you're gonna have such a better career and also just you don't feel as alone, you know.
1: Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, that's what uh you know, my mentors always told me, like you can leverage two things in this life, people and money. Mm. Right. And then and then the next thing is obviously, you know, just for you, you're putting in the work. That's the opportunity. So people ask like, Oh, how do you get so lucky? You know, when when hard work meets opportunity, that's when luck's created, right? So I think for you from you putting in the dirty work. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to sit here and send out emails. No, Nobody wants to sit here not. and do all that. You know what I mean? Now, most people in that in that point of journey would quit. You you from just listening to you, you had an amazing work ethic so far. Like you've never made an excuse. You never sat there and said, uh, maybe I'll just da da da. You know what I mean? You never made the excuse. You were just willing to do whatever it takes because that's how bad you wanted that. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of people and you can touch on this uh, a little bit as well is like a lot of people growing up they have these dreams as a kid you know what i yep. mean like you said your passion comedy you, it, it appealed to you and you're able to pursue that you kept that in front of you your whole life and you're willing to do whatever it takes you stay with it what do you think separates people that they have this dream as a kid astronaut president whatever the case may be and they just get away from that and they settle for something that's you know settle for an average you know miserable life on yeah
0: I think uh, I think I mean, I think most people are scared, you know, I think it's it's very hard to I mean, it's also like it's so many things like environmentally, right? We're taught like you want to get a good job, raise a family, like sustain yourself. Like these are all important things, of course, but you're not necessarily taught to like pursue your passion because your passion may not equate monetarily, as we just talked about. Yes, right? sir. So you're kind of like the way I was brought up is like, get yourself figured out, get your situation figured out. Then you can kind of do whatever you want but make sure you can take care of yourself, which I think is important. And yeah. I think I'm glad that was instilled in me because I was able to kind of do this comedy thing almost as like, I didn't really tell my parents necessarily how aggressively I was pursuing it that first couple of years, because, but they knew I had this good job. And they, so they didn't really care. I would tell them about comedy. I wouldn't lie about it, but I, was, I wouldn't be like, I'm actually like on stage every day. Like they, <laughs> yeah. that To them, that would be crazy if I was like, I'm doing this job and like they wouldn't understand that. But now they're seeing what that seven years of work has led to. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm able to be like, now they're like, oh no, he's out every day, every weekend. Now they kind of understand. But so sometimes you have to, you have to kind of like, just understand that it is scary. It is like this leap of faith, but if you don't take it, you're going to always regret. Regret it. You know, yeah. the regret is worse. I mean, so many people are miserable in their jobs. So many people hate it. I think it's also important to try a lot of shit. I mean, yeah. a lot of, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. It's like, well, try a few things that you're maybe... I have an inkling to look back to your childhood, like you are yeah. saying, like, what were these dreams? Because so many times we're so far away from our dream, we forget what yeah. our dream even was. So you have to kind of do things to, you know... I'm reading this book, um, it's called The Artist's Way, and it's like okay. a big, it's like a very like kind of like spiritual guide to creative work and stuff. And some of it is a little bit too flowery for me, but yeah. I do like some of the principles they talk about. And one of the things they talk about is going to these things called artist dates, so okay. taking yourself on a, almost a date, so no one else, no no one, just no distractions. Going and doing something that's not related to your your job, okay, and not necessarily to your passion either. Just something like go so to a museum and just get, walk to wow. get to know yourself. Get to know yourself. Be alone with your thoughts and really find out who you are. Because think about that. Like how rare is it? Unless you're like doing a job or doing something that's like related to something that you're interested in, are you just in the world by yourself that's and really true. truly alone? And A lot of people are terrified by that because they're like i don't want to face the thoughts i have or i don't want i want i want the distractions right so it is important to do stuff like that again this is not it's hard to do because it's hard to be like i got i have these responsibilities have to step away but making that time for yourself will let you figure out what these dreams are what you're trying to do because you'll realize like oh i forgot like i was really into that or like i didn't haven't done any self-discovery yeah and i i mean i came from in addition to this nine-to-five background like i you know i was I, I came up in like cross country running and track in, in high school. And that really gave me the discipline of like something, doing something like every day yeah and kind painful. of painful, but also important to like break down those walls a little bit. And most people, like when I started stand up I was able to apply that discipline to that. Yeah. Even though that was a very physical endeavor, this is now a mental endeavor and that, that mental strength from the physical endeavor that you gain was huge. And I think, it's almost like pushing yourself a little bit because if you don't push yourself at all you're never going to find out what you're capable of exactly
1: you know? you're never going to find your limits yes sir
0: and most people are just comfortable like yep. it, it's easy to be comfortable that's an easy choice you know but it's also the boring choice like yeah. what if you push yourself you find out you're like oh I'm, I'm into that or i didn't know i was good at this you could find out shit about yourself you don't know because we all think we have this image of who we are and when we we're actually in the moment like i remember the first time i went on stage i was like oh i think i'm pretty funny i know what what I know who I am. I know what yeah. I think is funny. I go on stage and it completely changed my perception of that. I'm like, first of all, I'm not funny. Yeah. <laughs> I am funny, but not to these people right now. And also what like what I thought my perception, how I came across was is not how I'm being received. Right. So it was really interesting to be like, oh, this is I thought I knew who I was. And yeah. it took. it's still sometimes like now I'm getting to a point where I finally after seven years of doing this, I'm finally getting to a point where I feel like it's more one to one. But it's still like there's still a little bit of a facade you have up. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, on stage, you can be a character. You can be a heightened version of yourself. But it is interesting to be like your perception of who you are is not necessarily the right one. So you've got to do things to kind of draw that out and make that aligned with the environment. Because so many times you'll find it's like it's not actually the case. And and it's interesting. It's like it's a constant journey. You know, it never ends. Yes,
1: never does. Yes, sir. And you, And that's seven years in. I mean, we're... That brings me to the next question. Like, wh- where do you see yourself in in ten years from now?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I think I, I really just want to be able to like have my own fan base that keep growing. That I want to be able to kind of choose what projects I want to work on. You know, like I've been lucky to, like I said, I'm not. I, I do stand up is my main thing. I've been involved in some like acting stuff, but all the acting stuff that I've done has been because people have asked me about it. So they've seen me do stand up and they're like, "Hey, we'd like you to play this character who's basically you." now yeah. but it's like so I, they either wrote a part for me or they think i'm very similar to this so that's the stuff i want to be working on where it's still me so i'm not i'm doing i'm reading someone else's words but it's relatively my character my persona and so doing projects like that in general like across the board whether it's you know uh, some some show or whatever it could be um, but also in 10 years like to be at a point where i'm like hey i'm like i'm selling out theaters or i'm selling out you know like knock on wood arenas, you yeah, know? yeah, Madison like, Square Garden, yeah, and maybe I, I think I ultimately to have like a successful platform as like a, maybe a podcast or, I would love to have like a weekly talk show type of yeah. thing. Like I, I, just think something like that where it's it's it, I can do stand up, you know, at night, but then I have this other platform during the day where I can you know reach the audience as well, and and I love the idea of like that's why I like the podcast thing is so appealing because you build your fans, right. you have cross cross you know pollination because you have people who've heard your podcast now they come see you live and that's what all these big guys are doing you know, like segura burke Reischer, yeah. you know, joe rogan like all these huge people they all have these insanely successful podcasts and most of the time they started those podcasts when they were also in their early in their careers like yeah. joe rogan started with like a tape recorder in his house and now he's got the biggest podcast in the world yeah. so it's kind of wild to think like you can lay the ground roots now because it will pay off and then like we talked about just growing that base these engaged fans so it is a journey it's not like there's no shortcut you know yeah it's just, not at all. it takes forever shortcut back.
1: is doing the work doing yeah. the hard work yeah
0: and you should like i'm enjoying the journey like it yeah. is it's getting to it's gotten to a point now where like like i'm doing eight to ten to fifteen shows a week and like most of them are very good show i'm very lucky because i mean i worked i've worked very hard to do that but it's like like I'm this week. I'm at the Laugh Factory, at, at like three days. I'm at Zany's, five days. Like it's crazy. Like it's all cool stuff. Like I love I, that perspective. Most yeah. people
1: think, oh, he's working too hard, but that's no. You're, I mean, you, you, you got to like
0: I think about like I'm on these stages that like the Laugh Factory is like the a world famous stage. Yeah. Zany's is the oldest club, like one of the oldest clubs in the country. Like. You got to think about like this is history. You're you're in you're in a, a place that people are dying to get on that stage. Yeah. Dying to get on. So you have to constantly check yourself cuz you don't want to take this shit for granted either. Right. You know, so many people get to a point where you get disconnected and you're like, "Oh yeah, it's whatever." But it's like, "No, oh, man, like this is kinda, this is a cool thing yeah. we do. It's it's very cool to be able to go on that stage and just talk. Get paid for jokes." Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, literally. I I remind myself that like once a week. I'm like, I sometimes I pinch myself. I'm like, "I'm being paid this much to tell a dick joke like <laughs> that's wild yeah like, do what you love that's amazing that's like this is what else is, could, could right. i want in my life it's incredible
1: yeah that's huge that's a lot of respect a lot of respect and that's people don't realize the work that actually does go into it but uh that that leads me to my next two questions for you is um the first thing is what is your what is your like process do you have like a routine or a process for sitting down and you know writing a joke uh, mm-hmm. an entire session you know yeah what, what's your process for that?
0: Yeah, it's kind of, that's evolved a little bit. Um, I think lately what I've, I I think the best jokes come from like, for me, it's like experience and inspiration. So if I'm walking around in the world, something happens that's funny, or I think could be funny, I'll, I'll make a quick note in my phone, like this happened or like, I'll, I'll write down what I think is the funny part, but that's like the first step. And then maybe a few days later, I might go back to that and like flush it out a little bit. So I write a little bit more. I kind of like, we'll, we'll try to add some stuff to it. And then the next step is, like, taking it on stage. So then I'll go on stage and I'll kind of riff on it. So I'll be like, hey, this like this thing happened, but I'll, I'll have it kind of constructed in my mind at least, or at least I'll know the funny part. And as I've gotten better at stand-up, I'm able to kind of take just the premise of the note and then kind of, like, flush it out on stage. Like We call that Elaborate writing from, Elaborate from that. Yeah. Okay, wow. But when I started, it was like I was writing the whole bit out. Wow. Like verbatim, you know, the whole thing. And then I'd go on stage and say it exactly how I wrote it. But then I realized, like... I'm not that rigid it, it, when I talk. So like it doesn't, it wasn't authentic to me, Yeah. but that's how you have to start. Cause you got to memorize. You don't want to deviate from the script. And now I realize the fun part is deviating from the script. Yeah. Cause I find the best stuff for me comes when I'm under pressure. So if I don't, if I go on stage with this half baked idea and I have to, we call it finding the funny part. Like I'm, I'm on stage talking and then suddenly I'm like, Oh shit, where do I go from here? Cause yeah. that's all I wrote down. <laughs> and so now I'm in a pressure situation but then your mind will, your body is like fight or flight. You're, yeah, you'll come up with some stuff in the moment, and a lot of times that will be really funny stuff. So wow. That's like I was wondered that. Yeah, like I put myself was like in those situations. Winging it or something like to, what? Uh, and it, it is it's half winging it, but it's also like half like expertise. Like yeah. you know, I'm not going to do that for my whole set. I'm not going right. to go on and just wing the entire thing because then you're gonna you're gonna bomb for sure. But you got bullet points. Of you got what? some yeah. You yeah. got some bullets. You got some little threat to follow, and then maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to put this new bit in the middle of my set. I'm going to try to work on this, but behind and after it, I have stuff I know is going to work. So it also like lets you find, you know, the, the, maybe the part that gets a laugh, maybe you weren't expecting that you're, you're you're doing the setup and you get a laugh on the setup. You're like, Oh, now I can add more here. So you kind of have to refine it then. So then you go back and you refine it and you keep listening, refining it. So I, I, and I still try to do like, I try to write every day. I, I like free write, I call it like morning minutes, like writing like just 10, 15 minutes of just whatever just it doesn't necessarily be funny but it's just like almost like a journal and then sometimes within that i'll like i'll write a bit in that and then i'll come and take that out and put it back in the notes so it's all going back to this like file of like just this running list of stuff um but then after a certain point when i get the bit where i want it I, i move it over to another document where i'm like this is this is done yeah but i also kind of believe no bit is ever fully done you know you're discovering new parts and sometimes things change like you know, I had like stuff where I was in a relationship. I had all these relationship jokes, and I had all these single jokes. You know, like <laughs> you have to kind of evolve as a person and be authentic to who you are. So that that's why you don't. I don't throw anything away. I just like shelve it sometimes because I'm like, oh, I can't figure this out right now. Maybe in six months, yeah, I'll come back to it. So it's this constant cataloging process. It's honestly, if you look at my phone and my like Google Docs, it looks insane. But it's like I have a weird system. It works that for it, you. It, it works for me. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like the process is just constantly trying and failing because if you don't want to ever get too comfortable on stage right if you're out there like obviously I, I'm, I'm having good sets but i want to also be uncomfortable i want to be in a moment where i'm like oh shit like that didn't work now i gotta go work harder like i gotta yeah. make that work so and if you're not doing that you're not improving as a comedian you're not taking risks so you're, you got to be constantly kind of Never be truly comfortable because if you are, then you're not really pushing yourself. Yeah. You're not growing. You can't no. grow in your comfort zone. Absolutely yep. not. No.
1: You rely a lot on your your intuition as well, which uh, brings me to the next thing. Like, you know, a lot of people, I I feel like in our business and, and really in life and anything can get kind of burnt out when you're a hundred percent in it, doing it and grinding and working as hard as you do for as long as you have, you know, sometimes people can get burnt out or they can cloud their vision or not see that. Do you have like in our business, we have mind, body, spirit, for example, mm. you know, we wake up early, we go to the gym, we read, you know, develop our spiritual side of everything. And then obviously it's right into to business. So for you, do you have a morning routine that helps you clear your mind, that helps you throughout that process? And, and what is that for you?
0: Yeah, the uh, self-care, right? It's like, it's now become very kind of like cliche, but it is, it is important when you're doing something like this, where you're, you're on like seven days or six days a week, because the recovery phase is also where you grow and develop too. You need to, especially for something creative, like comedy, you know, pre pandemic, I felt like I was so executional. I was, I was going to work, you know, this nine to five job I was working like 40, 50 hours a week. And then I would come home and I'd eat and then I'd be out at mics and shows. And I realized I'm like, this is great. I feel like I'm doing a lot. Like I'm executing, but I'm not able to develop as much as I want. I'm not able to like, think about the jokes, synthesize the reflect, set, right. reflect. And and for comedy, like you have to do that. You need to take time away from the stage to, to work and write. So if you're just executing, you're not really growing your material, not really growing what you can do because you simply don't have the time to even reflect and process it. You know, you do like I'll do 10 shows, 15 shows a week. It, it takes me sometimes a day after all that to be like, what happened on that show? <laughs> like you got to really because you're so compartmentalizing too. Yeah. you're like one show. You know, yesterday I did three sets, two of the sets. We're in the suburbs at the Improv in Schomburg, which is an older kind of crowd, uh, very different than I did the Late Show at the Laugh Factory, which is called the Nasty Show. So it's all dirty material. It's like <laughs> completely younger crowd, people on like all sorts of drugs in the crowd, like <laughs> wild shit, completely different than these two earlier sets I did. So like, Now, today, I can decompress and unpack that and be like, okay, what material did I do here? Why did that work? And and what can be tweaked? And so I almost like pulled from like 20, 30 minutes of material for that whole night. But you have to kind of like take that time away. And so for the morning, what I do is like it's kind of important to situate yourself, follow-up routine. Like I get up. I usually get up around like the same time every day. Regardless if I have what I have that day, I try to keep that consistent. I think getting up at the same time is important, and then I the first thing I do is I usually get coffee. I have I like to go go to a specific spot. I like just getting out of the house, yeah, you know, walking outside, getting some fresh air, going doing that kind of not really not. I used to get up and immediately. I still kind of check my email, but I don't yeah. necessarily immediately respond. I'll kind of check see if they, see kind of get a sense of what my day is looking like and what my like workload. But I'm not. I try to go get the thing first, so I can be like, okay, I've got my coffee, I'm situated. Then I come back, I eat a little bit, then I open up the laptop and start like cranking away on stuff. But start focusing. Yeah, please. start focusing. But it is important to kind of have that. Even that 15 minutes in the morning, yeah. just that getting up and doing it, like that's so centering because yeah. you're like, oh, it's nice. And then I it kind of situates. I come back, get the emails going, and then about an hour after that, I'll go work out. So you know, it's lifting or running or whatever it is. So I have finished like that morning stuff by like. 1 or 2 p.m. I'm done with the gym and I'm done kind of with the email workload. So then after then the afternoon onward, it's all like now we're here to focus on the comedy that's happening right. either tonight slash et cetera. So I have this nice way of, of doing it and I don't feel like I've missed on the self-care at all because I've yeah. taken care of myself. You know, I've I've worked out, I've, I've gotten ready and now I'm kind of able to focus and hone in on that. So it is, it's like, it's kind of an extended morning routine but it is, it goes from like this moment I wake up to about the afternoon I'd say.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing is the gym. Like people, people like, Oh, you know, you don't need to go to the gym or, or da 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 mm. da. It's like, no, it's you're a human, you have a heart, you need to exercise. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned earlier, it correlates physically into mentally. The yeah. best way to change your mental is to immediately change your physical. Um, and then we're, we're almost done, but I wanted to uh, touch on real quick. What are some things that you cry about? You know what are some things that, um, you know, maybe times in your career or just some things that that you that you've experienced that have been almost like detrimental. Like how am mm. I going to get over this? And then what are some things that you sing about? You know what I mean? Uh, amazing times or just small things, big things in your in your career and life that really impacted everything about you right now.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. There's so many, <laughs> in comedy, there's so many things to to cry about because you're like I, I think I was talking earlier before we started recording the. It, it feels very inconsistent at times you know yeah. um you know especially like early on in your career you, you you have you go on stage maybe an open mic you have an incredible set and then like the same night even maybe the next day you go and do the same jokes in a different room and you get nothing right and you're like wait i just i was just validated an hour <laughs> ago i think i'm funny and now this crowd and my peers are telling me i suck yeah within minutes like you went from this high high to this low low. And there's like thousands of those moments all the time. I mean, I can recount so many. So there's you just have to get better at navigating and understanding like that's part of this process. And like I said, as you get more and more further in your career, it starts to become the the spectrum starts to slide the other way where it's like more consistent, better shows, less bad ones. Okay. But it is about mentally being comfortable, like knowing that. Be like, yeah, well, it's also like context. Like this is an open mic. It's supposed to be kind of all over the place. And I don't know what happened. Maybe the audience is sick of this. 20 people have gone up before me. It's fatigue for the crowd, you know? So I also understand what this is for. It's an open mic. It's a practice. I'm just here to try some stuff. There's no stakes here. So letting yourself kind of frame things in a way that make it, don't make excuses, but framing is important to be like, maybe it is on me, but at the same time I can understand that. Not beating yourself up. Yeah. Not beating yourself up. And, and there's like so many moments where like, I haven't gotten something or I think I'm like, you know, I submit to something and I don't get it. And, and there's moments where you're like, you get really down and you're like, Oh, why did that person get it? Like I'm better than them or I'm better yeah. than them. And, and then you have to realize like, Oh wait, why am I competing with these other people? Like, yeah, I should compete with myself. Right. Am I better than I was yesterday? Like, yeah. So then that's it. That's all that I care about. Wow. And it, I, I was always kind of good about not caring what other people think, but really being able to now, especially with social media, it's hard because you're, you're seeing what other people are doing. Right. And you're like, Oh shit, but you can't get wrapped up in that. You shouldn't be like, well, I should be doing that. No, yeah. you, you're doing what you're doing.
1: Comparison is a thief of joy. Yes yeah,
0: so. and you can't be – we can't be out here, like, looking – I mean, it, get inspired by people, but don't be – don't let that inspiration go kind of toxic where you're like, well, I should be doing that. It's like you can do that, but maybe there's another thing that you can do that maybe they can't do. Yeah. So kind of find your own lane, create it, and and stay in it, and take these risks and take these creative outlets, but don't, don't get bogged down in, like, what other people are doing, and don't get bogged down in this, like – Harden yourself because you realize these are all things that you're developing, you're growing, and it's it's kind of amazing because you look at your career like, oh, no one else has had this career that I've yeah. had, and so you start to look at it as an individual and you kind of get power in that because you're like, oh, this is kind of cool, like I, I did that. So I think, yeah, I mean, there's thousands of bombs that I I cry about <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, I'll give one specific example. It's probably the, you know, I, I like I said, my career last few years have been going well, so. I hadn't, I haven't like truly we call it bombing in comedy means you just you just no, get no reaction from the crowd you know you're eating it or whatever and it's very your self esteem tanks because you're like getting nothing from the yeah. crowd but I haven't when we say bomb like I haven't truly bomb bombed where the whole set has gotten silence in a long time so I hadn't I hadn't felt that kind of yeah. deep feeling and then I did a show like the. It was still in the pandemic. It was an outdoor show, which comedy does not work outside. Outside, yeah. There's nowhere to keep the laughs, <laughs> in. So I didn't know this. This is my first like show back, and I'm doing this like really terrible restaurant. It's like a patio, and the stage was a picnic table. Wow. And so this is a very DIY setup. Yeah. So there's one speaker. It's a huge space. There's people. There's about 30 people on this patio, but the first person is about like 20 feet from the stage and it's tables it's not seats like rows yeah so you're kind of spread out you're doing the scattered crowd outside they can't really hear well there's a lot of distractions there's a main road behind you so you're you're doing your stuff and getting it's pretty quiet like yeah. for comics before me doing pretty bad but like you're still getting some laughter here and there so i'm like okay i'm kind of like all right it's gonna be bad but it's not gonna be like the worst thing i go on stage and i hadn't been on stage in a while and it was like pandemic kind of getting like getting back into it but I was like, oh, I like riff and do some stuff. But I, I hadn't. It's like, a, a, like exercise. Yeah. You being out the gym for two weeks, it's a little tough when you come yeah. back. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's a little hard. So I came in and I was kind of cocky about it. And I came in, I was like, oh, I got this. I'm fine. And first thing I said, like, d- I tried to riff something and just wasn't smooth and it wasn't good. And I was like, oh, let me go into material. So I kind of pushed that to the side. Tried to go into material and just it wasn't connecting with any yeah. of the material. And then I just like was supposed to do like 15 minutes or so or like 20 minutes after like six minutes i was like i don't want to be here anymore yeah like i have i have felt this deep <laughs> deep sadness and also deep i was terrified i was like so i just brought up it was a show where you bring up the next comedian like yeah there, there's no host and so i just was like all right guys gotta keep this going here's your next comedian." i just brought up the next comedian. and i got the hell out. i was so yeah. it was such a bomb where i almost the only my body was like get out get out yeah leave. and and i hadn't felt that deep kind of uh, like that was that feeling of anxiety and, and it was just weird and it's like it took me a couple days to kind of get over it because i was like oh i forgot how to deal with that yeah you know, I, I forgot i and i realized I was like well first of all a always prepare never be too cocky never think you're good enough or it's like it, it's like you would never go into the gym and just be like oh i can lift like four plates just without any you drop it on up. your neck and you just kill yourself you're like well i did it <laughs> once you know <laughs> yeah. so so that was pretty bad and then uh then i kind of like I, I try to follow some routine before I go on stage now. Like, I try to, like, think about what I'm going to say, kind of yeah. think about the set, like, observe certain things. And
1: What about your self-talk? Self-talk's a huge thing. A lot of people, if they do go to the gym or they do something like yeah. that, they, like, I hate this, this sucks. You know, like, what is... What is your self talk, and how did that keep you going?
0: Yeah, I mean, I listen to. It's funny, like I listened to some like motivational stuff, like you know, here and there. I used to listen to it way more often. I used to start my day with it. Yeah, like every day, like a YouTube video on motivation, just like while I was getting ready, just in the background, and then kind of like got to a point where I had memorized it, so like I knew what they were going to say, so I kind of repeated that to myself. Okay, and that was kind of a big self talk thing, and and now it's like I kind of try to center myself, like I take a few breaths before I go on, and and now I don't get the. Um, you know, when you go on stage for the first time, your your heart rate kind of rises, then it yeah. kind of comes down. So that's why that breathing exercises help. But I don't really get that anymore. Like, I'm there's not there's not this nervousness as much as they're used to. Sometimes there is if it's like a it's an audition or something a bigger show. But for the most part, you know, I'm doing so long that I've learned to kind of manage that. And so I know as soon as I get that first laugh, I'll be settled. But to the audience, it looks there's no change. Yeah, it looks the same. So the breathing is more so than the self-talk at this point, I think, for me, just to kind of keep level. Gives you Um, control over something. Yeah, it gives you control. And also, you know, this is a physical thing I'm doing. Like I'm speaking, I'm doing stuff. So it's like you do want to be kind of clear. And like I try to do some like, you know, like talking exercises trying to get my face loose you know get my vocal cords kind of warmed up i'll be screaming in the car before the show i'll kind of like yell a little bit just get get my range down because sometimes i'll go really high in a set or joke and come down so just kind of warming up literally physically and mentally but
1: crazy what goes into it tonality body language all all sorts of Mm -hmm. and that's and that's insane what about so a couple more questions and then uh and then obviously we'll, we'll be done but uh the next thing is like, what, what would you say are some of your strengths? Or you can even say your, your biggest one to three strengths oh,
0: are the, the things I, I, I like sing about. Yeah. Um, I say strengths and then we can go into that too. Like for me, I think it just, it always was confidence. Like even though when I was bad, I mean, people will talk about like a year in, like I still, there's a thing about, especially in stand up, it's like c- taking control of the room and commanding the stage. And you go on stage, you see someone on stage who's like, oh, that person looks like they know what they're doing. They're, they're kind of owning the room right now. Yeah. And there's, it's like, you you know it when you see it. I can't really describe it. Energy. Immediately Solid know energy. what it yeah. is when you see it. So I always kind of had some of that, and I think just being able to like deliver, you realize so much of stand up and comedy is delivery. Yeah. And if you can deliver something confidently, even if it's not the best thing in the world, if you do it with confidence, people will buy it. Yeah. I mean, it's how like you say it? yeah, yep. it's how you say it. it's like with sales, same, same thing. thing you're yep. confident. If it's like with talking to, if say you approach someone at a bar and you're confident you might get a number you know yeah. like if you come in under confident kind of like averting eye contact and whatever they're like oh, i don't know no no, no, no. Yes. but some people confidence is attractive yeah across the board whether it's like sexually physically whatever it is it's just attractive to a thousand people.
1: percent yes sir
0: so that was that's one thing i think i've always had um and then the next thing is just like consistency you know like showing putting up. in the work showing up i mean it's i think i learned this from like my running days it's like if you're if you're doing this every day, you're na- you're gonna get better at it. Yeah. It may take a while. It's not gonna happen overnight. But if you just keep at it, you're gonna feel better because you're like I did something. So it's like these micro goals, mini accomplishments, and then you zoom out and you're like, oh, I have a I've done some shit. Now I can I I can run a marathon now. It's like I ran for a year. Now I can run. I, I have an a accomplishment, a tangible accomplishment, tied to this work I've done. Yeah. So I think the consistency is another thing. Um, and then like, I think also just like. Being able to accept kind of feedback and and be a little bit like this is where it gets confusing sometimes because you have to be confident but you also can't be like cocky. Yeah, 51 because, 49 That's what yeah. we talk
1: about. Fifty-one percent uh, confidence and the forty-nine percent or the other way. Fifty-one humility, forty-nine humility, confidence. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's
0: the right word. Because if you, especially in comedy, like so early on, I was so tied to like certain jokes that I'm like, oh, this. I'm like. It's okay to, like I said, I don't throw anything away. I might shelve it. Yeah. But also being a comfortable, be like deviating from that. Be like, yeah. well, I thought that was funny, but turns out it's not. And being okay being like, that wasn't good. Like, be better. And I can be better. I'll, I know I'll come with something. It'll may take a little bit. It might take a little work, but not giving up on it, but also being okay with like tossing it to the side for a little bit. Because if you try to hold on to something and just run it into the ground, it's not going to go well. The yeah. audience is going to hate it. You're going to hate yourself because it's going to keep getting worse probably before it gets better so being able to kind of have the humility to step aside from your own work and it's hard in comedy because it's like you yeah so you feel very attached to it you're like this is what i think is funny and people are shitting on what i think is funny now now it's a personal attack right (laughs) so
1: you don't want to be right you want to get paid yeah you want to make people laugh so
0: you have to realize this is a job this is we're entertainers you know yes i have a voice yes i have a point of view but i'm also here to do a job so understand that and and be comfortable with that and and so that's a that is one thing i think i think people would the same thing people would praise me for those things too and um you know career-wise like a cute bigger things like just content wise i feel like i have a lot of cool shit happening this year like yeah uh i have a dry bar comedy special coming out next week which is that's like netflix but for clean comedy oh wow so i happened to get that and then did it in april and so now it's like a 30 minute completely clean comedy special I meaning you no know, swearing so that's going to be, that's like a huge uh, 7 million subscribers on YouTube. Wow. Like, they're pretty big. So once that comes out. That's thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And then I'm recording a, a special on my own next month at the House of Blues. So that's going to be wow. like, obviously not clean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll be a little more fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just nice to be like, oh, I have this clean set and I have this other, set. I, I, I I'm versatile, you know, it's yeah. nice to be like, I have these other things that I can do. It's not just like, he's a dirty comedian, he's a clean comedian. It's like, he's a comedian. Yeah. So I think that's, that's something that I, I think. I'm happy about that. I have that versatility.
1: The biggest thing I got to say, man, just from what I've seen from you, man, is uh, the first thing is like, I'm I'm genuinely just insanely impressed with your mindset, with your ability to, to just, you're almost like walking on a thin line of like, you're not, you're not beating yourself up, but you're also not too high on your pedestal. You know, a lot of people, there's so many areas you can get mixed up in and everything you said, like you were able to kind of like almost coach yourself and learn through failure, and and you were very like, very. You have a high intuition. If if I were to put it into words, but now I'm genuinely very impressed with your mindset. You know what I mean? Because everything you're describing is the same thing that I've learned from the mentors in this business and and coming up in the business. You know, just in obviously in a different way. Um, and then the last thing I would say is uh, is there is there one specific night that, that, that get clicked for you? One specific time that it clicked? Like, like for me, I remember I was sitting in somebody's house, probably my hundredth presentation of sales and it, I felt it through my body, like a, like a weird feeling and it clicked for me. Is Mm. there a point in time where it clicked for you specifically?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, we had a, like I said, we produced our own shows and, uh, I think one of the things that was validating and kind of like was cool is that we, i think like i was like three months into comedy four months into comedy we did this big show where we invited like all of our family and friends and we had like 200 people come to an office building in chicago we did the show in like this big room that overlooked like wacker drive it was like incredible setup and it was like highly illegal i don't know how we pulled this off <laughs> but it was cool because of that it was like kind yeah. of a it was a it was a nicer venue for comedy but it was like underground comedy like it wow. was like people were it was byob kind of like very cool so it was like a, it was almost like a night out plus comedy yeah. and we filled this room with like two we were insanely so many people had bought tickets and we were kind of blown away and i was the, i was hosting it because wow. it was like i my i was like the other people i worked with i was the more senior comedian by yeah. like two weeks so they're <laughs> like you gotta host you gotta host so like just being able to walk up and i, I still have like someone made like a gopro video and so they kind of like followed me on the stage, the stage, walking on yeah. stage, and like, it was just really cool to like turn around that moment and be like, "Oh, like th- I'm a comedian now." Like yeah. these people came to see me and other friends of mine, and it was very cool to be like, "Like this is it? This is what we're doing." And 200 people at that point, in my life was insane. I mean, I perform for, like, it depends on a day night, but 200 is a big crowd. That's a lot of people. So it is very cool to be like that much that new into my career, but to be able to do that get that opportunity, but then realize like, oh, I created this opportunity. So that means if I did that now, imagine in five, five years, ten five, years 10 where, years, yeah. what I can do, if I can create this buzz now. That's huge that and you I'm, see that. Yeah. So it was very cool. And I think that was a moment I was like, yes, this is, wow. and it's going back to what you said earlier. And I appreciate what you said. Those are, that was very nice of you. Uh, self-awareness. Yeah. That's what it is. In, in comedy, the best comedians are self-aware comedians. And, and, and I think in life too, it's, I apply these principles all over, but if you're not able to kind of, that's what we're talking about, humility and being yeah. able to understand, like, step away sometimes from your own work and being able to be hu- humble. But being self-aware will give you so much more perspective. It's huge. And it is. It's, it's this balance, though, being like, kill the 24 hours that you have in front of you, but also step away at the end and reflect. That reflection time is so important. Because yeah. otherwise you're just going to be executing and then not being able to kind of build and develop.
1: Wow. And we're, we're going to end on this. The last thing I got to ask, and we'll end on this, and then they, uh, you can tell them where they can find you, uh, where they can follow you. And I love laughing. Laughter is the, the cure for every, you know, medicine and anything at all. So if you guys are out there and you're watching this and, and you want a good laughter, we're going to tell you where to find them here. So make sure you stay tuned. But the last thing I wanted to ask you is, one, what kept going, what kept you going through the hardest times in your career? You know, what, what kept you going um, through that? And then, forgot what the second thing I was going to ask you, but that was the main thing I wanted to ask you. So I'll remember (laughs) if you want to touch on from that.
0: Um, Yeah, I think for me, like the pandemic was tough because it's like I felt like I was in this really upward swing in my career and like that was probably a tough time just because I was getting all these things and I lost like six months of bookings Wow! in like a day because everything shut down. So they all canceled. Yeah. And so just that loss was tough to deal with. I mean- it it was just a the overall period was probably the hardest period but what kind of kept me going was like it was a nice reset because i could be like oh like i've been i've been executing so much now it's like i have to reflect i have no wow. choice Perfect and time. i was able to kind of still create i was like okay let me now i've been neglecting getting on twitter i've been neglecting creating tiktok now let me get on these other platforms and exp- and and flush those out because i i have to i have no excuse so I think always creating has kept me going, just always doing something that's creative because even if it's not stand-up, it still like, kind of sparks that muscle a little bit. And it also is something that you can take pride in because you're like, it's fun. Even if I don't, it's not great. It's, yeah. I made that. It's kind of cool. So that always doing a little bit, even like not a lot, like I obviously took some time off and I kind of chilled for a little bit, but it was nice to be able to always have that this little creative outlet. And, and I think that was something that I would say is like, that's the one thing um, that got me through the hardest times is just always making something, always doing something a little bit. Um, but that pandemic was rough. That specific time was like, I was, that was horrible. You know, it was like, what is happening? What's what's going on with my career? What's going to happen? But it actually helped my career. Yeah. Because after I came out, you know, I was still doing shows here and there, but doing a lot of like zoom comedy, doing a lot of stuff on like that. But it leveled me up in a way. I kind of jumped a couple of years because all these clubs opened at half capacity so they're like, oh, we can't, we can't afford to fly in someone from like a Netflix, like headliner wow. from LA, but you're a local guy who has the time that we know is a strong comic. Do you want a headline now? Yeah. So that kind of pushed me into a headliner step. And initially, initially, initially yeah. it didn't
1: look like it was going to it initially looked yeah. like a bad, a bad thing, you know? But and it,
0: again, you put yourself out there and you ask and you're like, wow. I, I could do it. And then, you know, you do it. And then now you're like, oh shit, I. I look back on like, I headline now. Yeah. So it's like it kind of was like I, I, it was good and it stepped into it. And so that's what you have to understand that these negative moments could lead to something really cool. Yeah. And now it's like it's been a, a blessing in a way.
1: Yeah. Wow. Because that's the, the biggest thing. The second thing and uh, that I did want to ask you to um, but that I noticed from you is that you're in love with the process that you, you fell in love with the process. That's the biggest thing we try to teach here, and it's hard because your process is phone calls. Your process is getting rejected. Your process yep. is saying no's all day. So it's kind of hard to follow, fall in love with the monotonous process, mm-hmm. but that's all you talk about. You don't talk about millions of dollars or billions of dollars. Obviously, you're gonna get to that point because that's a byproduct of of you know, just the work you're putting in, but you're in love with the process. So that's the biggest thing I wanted to point out, and then the, we'll end on this. The last thing is if you could give advice to somebody maybe starting out in comedy or just in life and in in anything, you know, young person um, looking back to where you were when you started, if you could give advice to them, what would be your biggest piece of advice that you could give to them? Um,
0: I think uh, it's like an improv thing, but it's like, it's like follow the fear is the, is the big improv principle. So if you want to do something, but you're, you're hesitant to do it or you don't, you know, you're, you're scared, whatever it is, uh, take a, take the first step towards that goal. And, and, it could be as simple as like for comedy. If you want to get into up, like write a joke, try to write something down,
1: start doing, yeah. something.
0: or go watch an open mic. Don't perform, go watch. Even that step yeah. is a step, right? If you're not moving forward, you're, you're moving backward, I think. Right. So yep. I think if you're doing a little bit towards that goal and then you, and, and I think you have to break it down like that. Cause if you, if you try to think like, I want to be on, I want to be on Netflix. Like if you haven't done comedy ever. You're like, I want to be on Netflix. Like that's great to have that vision of mindset. But how do you get there? You got to look at the process. And if you're not looking at the process and like what you can do and following that fear, like, well, my first step is I got to get on stage. Right. But before I get on stage, maybe I should go watch what the stage looks like. (laughs) And so it it goes, you realize there's so many little like minor points that are under this bigger goal. So following that fear for that first step will take you there and it'll start to feel good because you're like, oh, I did that. I accomplished this little thing versus like, I'm not on Netflix yet. I hate myself. That's huge. So I would say that's my biggest piece of advice: is just fall that fear, take the first little micro step.
1: That's huge, man. Any anybody that just just heard that is blessed. That's huge. That's that's a mindset that's hard to to come by, and and for you to have that mindset so young i was blessed and lucky enough that i was taught by other people mm. that that mindset and, and you know you learn that the hard way and that's and that's just very impressive uh now where, where can everybody find you where can they follow you where can they see you come maybe see your shows buy yeah. some tickets where, where can oh, they that, find you? Oh,
0: that'd be huge man i uh, i'm on all social media at uh vic pondia that's v-i-k p-a-n-d-y-a just my name so you can google me you can find me on instagram that's all my shows and then i'm i got some i'm based in chicago but i'm touring all over the place but uh, if you're in Chicago, uh, I work all the clubs here. So I got a big show coming up. I'm recording a special at the House of Blues September 15th. Okay. Two shows. And then I'm headlining Zanies in Old Town uh, October 23rd. So those are two big wow. local shows you can come and support. So please check it out. You know, you can check that out on my Instagram at Vic Pondia. All the details on there.
1: Okay. Sweet, man. We appreciate you uh, hopping on. I got to say, the, the biggest thing for me, man, is I, I learned a lot. Even just listening to you, it's so valuable how much time. You know, that's that's the biggest thing about podcast and, and everything in general is like I'm over here learning so much and, and the mindset that you have. And even though you're seven years you know into this, 100 percent committed seven years into this and, and you have so much like you, I, I just can't imagine where you're going to be five, 10 years from now. Thanks, man. Man. It's, it's going to be insane. That. But your mindset right now is just so impressive. Um, share it. If you guys find value in this, which you should uh, please share the podcast, refer it to your friends, check it out like-minded individuals this is the mindset that everybody should have if you don't you're probably not going to be where you want to be we all got dreams and goals make sure you chase them and i appreciate you having on man It it was a pleasure thank you